Hello everyone, I'm Alice Strange, and this is Magic in the Mind podcast, where spirituality and psychology intersect. Today I'm really excited. I had a wonderful woman by the name of Brittany reach out to me, and Brittany is an esoteric energy healer, an Akashic Record reader, and an inner child healing coach. She specializes in energy medicine and holding safe healing spaces for her clients. Brittany's passion is supporting those yearning to live a life in authentic empowerment that is in alignment with one's soul. This was a really fun interview to do, and I hope you guys all really benefit from the different ideas and concepts we discuss in this. Um, So without any more hesitation, let's get on to it. Hello, everybody. This is Alice Strange, and you are here with me at Magic in the Mind podcast where spirituality and psychology intersect. And today I have someone for you to meet. Brittany, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I am so excited to be here. Alice is so fun and amazing. And when I found this podcast, I had to reach out to uh, collaborate. So I'm excited to be here and I look forward to our conversation. Oh, we are so happy to have you here. I am thrilled. So why don't you go ahead and just tell us a little bit about what you do? Yeah, I would love to. I kind of, I mean, I think most people relate that we all wear many hats, right? Yes. (laughs) But kind of the core of what I enjoy doing is spiritual life coaching, but I also blend that with um, esoteric energy healing, which I know is very kind of uncommon and and I can go a little bit deeper into what esoteric energy healing is as well. But I blend that, um, and I blend the Akashic Records, if you know anything about that, <laughs> um, with spiritual life coaching, and it's a very unique experience. It honestly sounds so different than any approach I've ever heard from a coach like that, and I I love every bit of it, love every bit of it, and that's why you're here, so we can figure it out together. So can I ask you, like, what brought you to spirituality? Like, what was your background in all of that? How were you raised? Or, like, did it just happen one day? Let's hear your story. Yeah, I love this question simply because it everyone's journey into the work they do is so unique, especially when it comes to spirituality and it comes to, like, a personal spiritual practice. I was adopted at the age of 10, so... When I was adopted, I gained a really fun grandma. I think grandma's the best. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I think grandmas are just so wise. If you're lucky, you'll get a really wise grandma, right? So she actually teaches esoteric energy healing. Um, So when I turned 14, she invited me to be a student in her classes. So from the age of 14 to 18, I took all eight of these energy healing classes. And what's really cool is when I was graduating high school, I was also graduating from this sort of mystic, esoteric, spiritual school, right? Super cool. 
it was super cool and very symbolic for me. <laughs> but um, esoteric healing works with the energetics of the body. So your energy makeup, your energetic anatomy. It takes a look at your auric field, but then it breaks down your auric field into chakra systems. And then it also breaks it down into um, different channels of energy, like the meridians or the nadis running through your body. And what's fun about this is you're actually taught how to hold things like the spleen or the liver um, or even the heart organ and assess if it is open and flowing or if it's restricted and depleted in flow. And then wow. you can offer balance. Yeah, so it's very thorough. You can even um, kind of sweep through someone's circul circulatory system to see where there's a block in the circulation or the immune system, for instance. It's a really amazing modality. So yeah. I learned that and then went to university to um, get a degree in health and wellness to combine mm -hmm. that with the energy healing. And I also have a psych minor, which is so cool that this podcast blends sort of like, you know, the magic and the mystical with reality and science right. and psychology, which is what I tried to do when I was getting a degree, right? So um, all of that together sort of formed this push for me to want to work with clients in this way, to just share space and hold space for anyone that needed yeah. the extra support. Um, and then three years ago in 2020, I learned how to read the Akashic Records and become a channeler for spirit guides. And that is sort of what accumulated my journey to becoming a spiritual life coach, um, using my basically the last, um, yeah, really the last 14 years of my life, blending everything that I've learned to be a spiritual life coach. <laughs> wow, that's incredible that I, I love that so much. Wow. And you, you use all of that in your life coaching, pretty much everything you just mentioned. Like I'll say, I've never heard anyone else quite as, you know, much into that stuff in the spiritual life coaching sphere. So, you know, that's, that's pretty impressive. I, I like that a lot. Thank you. uh, <laughs> you're welcome. So if I could, I would really like to invite you to talk about what gifts you have as far as spiritual gifts, intuitive gifts, anything like that, I would eat that up. Tell me all about it. <laughs> <laughs> so fun. I will, I will start this by saying um, when I was 14, probably up until my first couple of energy healing classes, I didn't feel anything. That's one thing I like to tell my clients is like, you're not, you might not start off this sort of journey of developing your intuition and things just come to you very easily. For me, it didn't. I had a lot of blocks to move through. I couldn't feel the energy in my hands when I was giving a session. Um, so it took a lot of time to develop. But once I started developing sort of my intuitive capabilities, um, so clairsentience was something that came to me through the energy healing. Um, but clairvoyance is something that came to me for the Akashic Record readings. So I blend the two, but what's interesting is that lately um, I've been developing my clairaudience. So clairaudience is really hard. I feel like that's one of the most rarest sort of intuitive yeah. gifts. I, I mean, for your ears to be open to multidimensional communication mm -hmm. and messaging is 
really cool. So I'm very visual um, and I, I have an inner knowing um, and my hands are now very sensitive just from doing the energy healing for so mm -hmm. long. But those are really the ways that I communicate to this multidimensional existence. And um, the biggest way that my spirit guides sort of speak to me as well are through my dreams. I have a lot of symbolic dreams. And what's cool is um, some of the mentorship I do is also some clients might even ask, like, can you help me decipher this dream I had? And then we'll go deeper into like the subconscious. But um, like even in high school, I had this dream about what I was going to receive as an award in something or the role I was get offered to play in, in the school play. And like all those things came true. Like I dreamed mm -hmm. about it. And then I sort of realized, oh, I have a lot of help. <laughs> I'm not doing this alone. This is great. So whenever I have dreams, I I see them as golden nuggets. I really oh my value God. my dreams. And yes. um, I know it's a personal relationship for everyone, but I don't want to discount um, that sort of unconscious state where we can ground messages as well. Yeah, yeah. I love that you bring up dream stuff because I am just if any of our viewers have been on the podcast for a hot minute you've seen the the dream interpretation video I did and like you know it's not like anything I had to like train myself to do it just kind of happened and and now I just do it but like I also like all the words you said a golden nugget like your dreams are just like this tiny precious little gift that you get and that's definitely how I feel about dreams, especially after I haven't had one in a while. It's like, oh, he has a special little, a little bit of knowledge, you know, some good stuff comes from that. That's really cool. Could you kind of take a step backward and give a quick explanation for the, the Claire's that you were referring to specifically? Because on this podcast, I haven't talked into that explanation at all yet, and I've figure there might be a couple people out there who don't know what those all mean. Yeah, so clairaudience is when you can hear messages from kind of a multidimensional state, which I would love to develop my hearing more in that way, but it's not the best. <laughs> um, uh, claircognizance is just this inner knowing, like a gut reaction. Um, like one, I'll give an example. One time I was driving really early and I was passing a Starbucks and I just, my gut pulled me to this coffee shop and I was like, and then my ego stepped in and said, I really don't want a coffee. Like I don't, why would I go there? But I couldn't shake this innate knowing to go there. And it was around the holidays and I found a hundred dollar bill in the sugar. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yes. I wish so, you all could see the faces we're making. Yeah. That's I know, insane. I, I, I was I don't want a coffee. I'm fine. I just want to go. I was actually driving back to my university from visiting my family, but my body literally just like, was like, go, go to this coffee shop. So that's one that hits me a lot. So clairvoyance is my strongest, which is inner sight. Um, and that's why my dreams and probably for mm -hmm. you too, you're probably very clairvoyant, uh, in the way that if you're naturally clairvoyant use, it's like your imagination is the gateway to spirit speaking to you so dreams might be really vivid for you um I see things play out a lot like if I'm doing the dishes or in the shower usually when we're doing things that are very meditative is when we start to see 
answers come to us. And um, yeah, so when I'm doing something very mundane, that's when my guides can kind of pop in a visual scenario or an idea. So that is clairvoyance. Yes. Yes. That's cool. Claircognizant is like your gut. It's like right. that inner knowing. And then clairsentient is like touch. So for the energy okay. healing, clairsentience really shines because you can feel the energy moving in your hands. You can mm -hmm. feel the energy through your body. Whereas claircognizance, when I was driving and Starbucks pulled me in like a black hole, my gut was like, just go. They're very similar. I literally get them mixed up all the time, which is yes. dumb yeah. because I have both. <laughs> but exactly. it is the, yeah, yeah it, I think that's why it's so hard. I feel like messages, once you're like comfortable and you kind of know what it's like to, to receive a message that way, they come in much easier, of course. They're like they crisscross where you're like, I, I have no reason to think of this, but now I have this image in my head. It's like connecting all sorts of different types of clairs all into one message. And that's when you know it's an important one in my personal experience. Absolutely. Yeah, so to piggyback off that, um, one thing that is kind of confusing is that if you're developing all your clairs or they sort of all start to develop at the same time, um, you don't have to force it really. Like your soul will guide you and life will really kind of, experiences will come to you that help you develop your strongest intuition, right? So yeah. you don't have to force these things to happen, although you can really kind of push yourself and develop them, whether it be right. courses or a coach or whatever, it's your choice. But um, what happens is if you start to develop like multi-sensory intuitive capabilities, um, you become multi-dimensional. And so I call it like an imprint. It's a, it's a multi-dimensional imprint where you might hear it, you might see it, you might feel it, and you might have this inner gut knowing all at once. And so it is more of an imprint. That's, I've never heard anyone ever like talk about that anywhere. Um, that's so cool to think about in that way. Just a personal anecdote here. Because yeah. on this podcast, we ramble, we get off track, we we also curse. That's a cool thing we do. Anyways, um, <laughs> it took me a long time to be able to say, oh yeah, I'm clairvoyant. It still feels weird to say it because I don't, it's not the classic spooky, scary ghost movie where you see spirits in the corner. It's not like that at all, but it's like inside. I see this perfectly. I see this with every detail and I can like interact with those images and you know, it crosses over into imagination where I can be oh, well, what's this thing? And like study it. Or sometimes it's just like a flash of an image. I'll see the image real quick and then my guides will somehow make themselves known. It's also interesting. Yeah, I know. It can be really interesting because I think for so many of us, especially on a spiritual journey, we're trying to detach from identity. Yeah. But yeah, in order to find our strengths, sometimes we have to claim an identity. So there's like mm. a weird balance there that happens. <laughs> so with spiritual life coaching, we're really trying to help someone identify their dreams, help someone sort of figure out their deeper purpose in life, and then make goals to live out their purpose and to embrace their purpose. So a lot of us, it can be really confusing when we don't know what our purpose is and we don't know who we are. And in the spiritual work, we're taught to disassociate or detach, right? Like the Buddhist mm -hmm. work is very about detaching from the ego. So when we want to claim an identity like 
clairvoyant, you know, I'm a clairvoyant channeler or I'm a clairsentient energy healer. Um, it can kind of feel like the opposite of what you're supposed to be doing spiritually, right? Because the ego mm -hmm. wants to have identity, but sometimes the ego is, is not as confident or there's not enough self-esteem there to claim an identity like being clairsentient or clairvoyant, yeah. right? So it's a little bit tricky. And the biggest thing about claiming an identity is just feeling good about it. And identity can change. I never expect a client day one to be the same client that I'm working with um, week 12. I, I would hope they're not the same exact person. I would right. hope that there's <laughs> at least some momentum, whether it be backwards, forwards, side to side, right? Because we're right. multi-dimensional. But um, if you are claiming an identity, it, at least it, if it feels good to you, like I, I still struggle with the word spiritual. Mm. I still struggle with calling myself spiritual just because I think it's too, too narrow. It's too much of a box to put anyone in, even though that's a part of my external identity for clients and the work I do in my business. Right. I, internally, I feel like I'm so much more than spiritual. I'm, I'm so much more beyond what we can define the word spiritual as. Yeah. Um, I think everyone's that way because we're all different. We're all unique. We all see the world differently. Um, and it's really hard because your ident your external identity is kind of based on your perception of how other people think of you. Yeah. Right. So how do we move that stuff aside to really ask the right questions to find out who we really are on the inside? Um, and that can go a lot into psychology and it can mm -hmm. go a lot into kind of like the spiritual life coaching of asking the right questions. And, um, yeah, does that make sense? <laughs> yes, no, it really does. So you probably see a lot of people, a lot of different people, and I'm kind of wondering what kind of issues show up more than others. I... I'm so happy you asked this question. So I'm a firm believer that anyone, and I think eventually you will have this too, not to get anything away too personal, but I think this will resonate with you as well with what where you're going, is life brings you the people that you're going to be able to best support and best help. Absolutely. So I totally believe that if, if a client is resonating with me, that's because my specialty is something that their spirit guides and their soul is probably urging them to sign up with me or to do something with me because I can fit exactly what they're looking for. Even if that client or that person doesn't consciously know what it is yet, sometimes we just get pulled to people because we, we're, our soul needs that perspective change or needs that experience for growth, right? What I have found is that the clients who gravitate towards me have a few common themes. Usually they identify as women. Usually they do have more of a feminine lifestyle, more of a feminine energy. Um, and they have a strong intuitive kind of gut pull to make big changes. I've yet to have a client that wasn't ready to just kind of 180 things and make really big changes. Um, whether it be like a job change, they wanna, they wanna learn more about who they are and their passions. They want to develop their intuition and get to know their highest selves. And actually, more often than not, they want to start a business. But sometimes they can't start that business until mm. they know exactly why they want that business, right? And, yeah. and we can figure that out during coaching. But um, I do specialize in intuition development. And I know I've mentioned energy healing. So what's cool is that 
the energy healing lets us release some blockages that might have been holding us back, whether it have been past life trauma, whether it have been early childhood trauma. We can release some of these energetic heaviness, right? That heaviness, emotional, mental, mm -hmm. that's holding us back and then help us move forward through the energy healing. Right. And also to just go deeper, I also specialize in inner child healing because of my own childhood. Like I mentioned, I was adopted at the age of 10 and a lot can happen <laughs> in 10 years, right? Yeah. So, and there's a reason why someone, it, it has to be a pretty bad situation in the U.S. for a child to be able oh, to be adopted, right? Absolutely. So I feel like life just kind of set me up to actually be a supportive force in a gentle force uh, for those who need inner child healing work. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, there's a lot that I combine, but like one week we might be developing intuition, the next week we might be doing the energy healing, and then the week after that we might actually be going into a deep dive of inner child healing so that we can get to the root of really what's causing someone to have a certain issue in their life. Um, right, right. That's Those are like the common themes for people who tend to work with me. <laughs> and I check almost every single box, which is absolutely hilarious <laughs> to me. I also went through my own childhood stuff. Again, if you've been around the podcast for more than a minute, you've noticed I've done a bunch of inner child healing stuff here and there. The idea that like those who need healed are healers. If you yourself went through something, it's very common that you're going to end up doing something when it comes to like this this spiritual kind of stuff you kind of reflect back at the world that's another whole concept to go into but um Absolutely. yeah yeah one thing i'll say too with inner child healing is that you don't have to have a traumatic childhood to need inner child healing and i think so many people kind of gaslight themselves. Oh, my childhood oh, wasn't yeah. that bad. It wasn't that bad. But what you have to understand is that when our brains are developing, and this goes into psychology as well, mm -hmm. when you have a developing brain and you're experiencing something for the first time, that's gonna have a huge impact on you and, and your whole nervous system, your emotional system, mm -hmm. like your mental health. It's gonna have a deeper impact on you, the way that you're building neuropathways, simply mm -hmm. because it was the first time that you've experienced that and that actually has a deeper cut than the second or third time you're going to experience mm -hmm. it so one thing is like your first heartbreak when you're 14 or 15 that's going to cut so deep because you don't have the cognitive sort of development you don't mm -hmm. have like you just don't have the perspective your your first of all your brain isn't fully developed until your 20s so there's this thing that yeah. is like biological and physical happening but then you have the emotional and mental aspect yeah. that you've never gone through this heartbreak before and then it's going to cut deeper so we're also thinking about things that you don't even remember when you're three yeah. or two years old and you're on the playground and someone hits you or another kid is like takes your toy or your mm -hmm. sister or your brother is whatever and you have those relationships like it still, it still has impacted your nervous system. It still impacted you in some way or another, even if you don't remember it, but experiencing things for the first time in childhood, it kind of cuts deeper. Yeah. So everyone needs inner child healing in my opinion. And the other thing I'll say, you so beautifully stated this about healers is that 
you will go through what somebody else is going to need advice on mm-hmm. and maybe not even advice on but you're going to go through something where um and it's not a coincidence that someone around around you will benefit from you having gone through it um it's just the way that life is it's the way yeah. that we help support each other right so um one thing i tell my clients too is that you don't have to feel completely healed to hold space for someone absolutely I'm, I'm not healed. I'm still the person that um, is, you know, having a huge relief and crying because of something that happened to me, you know, when I was nine years old Uh and I'm almost 28, right? Like, even though I help others do this work, that doesn't mean I am 100% healed. And and if anyone says they are and that they can (laughs) heal you and that Mm. they're 100% healed, I would say run the other way. This is the one and only way. Yeah, Turn around and run. Realistic. No. <laughs> I'd be curious if you have anything to share about um, childhood development. So with that piece of like understanding that we take on damage that we didn't, we don't remember. We take on, you know, little things because, you know, at the time, maybe it wasn't even like bad, quote unquote. It, you know, it was just the first time it happened and maybe it didn't sit right in your little tiny baby brain. And and I'm midway through the book, The Body Keeps the Score, which is just a beautiful little, if you've never read it, it's, it's all about trauma and how it stores in the body, generational trauma, all the science behind trauma. They talk about, you know, like when you're this old, when you're only like a little, little guy, your parent yells for the first time, even if it's not at you, like it's a, it messes with your head. And of course, like there are lots of different things that play into that. It's just very, there's so much to it. And and that's why it's so interesting. And also like so different for everybody, like everybody, the way you said everybody needs inner child healing, like just as like a broad overarching statement mm-hmm. resonates with me so much. I heard someone say once that no one makes it out of childhood unscathed. And mm-hmm. I think that's just kind of like exactly right. You just <laughs> don't, you know, like being a teenager, or being a kid, like no one has a perfect life. If you do have a perfect life, that can be fucking detrimental to your social or your your perfectionism or like it's going to lead to trouble later on and goodness like I had a friend who was just like we literally called her the perfect one and she hated it and then she turned out to have like a horrible eating disorder and it was just like okay like maybe we maybe we should have thought about that first nobody goes through life without wounds you know whether it's like a giant event that affects the rest of their life or if it's like an event that they're able to work and get over so i'll also say that there's no degree or certification required to be a life coach so that's just one thing to keep in mind um anyone can be a life coach and kind of create their own method and start taking on clients like if you wanted tomorrow you could say um hi i'm alice i'm a spiritual life coach for you know, old souls who want to practice witchcraft and I'm going to teach you how, or you could, you could just be a life coach for anyone you want and kind of pick your niche area. Um, with my health and wellness degree and my minor in psychology, um, also blending, I am a certified life coach. So 
when I'm thinking about being a life coach, it actually really does come from a place of breaking down habit and breaking down daily life and daily routine. Um, the very first session I have with clients is actually taking a look at their routine and taking a look at what they do daily that supports their bigger goals. So um, when we think about habit <laughs> and when we think about habit change, it's really hard and it can feel kind of daunting. Um, but I blend psychology with spiritual life coaching to support my clients uh, just by taking a look at what they do and why they do what they do. So there's a conscious and subconscious there are these habits we don't know we have, we've never seen them, and then the outside perspective, like me, could come in and kind of bring to light the habit. Um, but some of us are aware of some of the habits that we have, they're very conscious. Um, so questions I would ask are like, what thoughts and actions are on autopilot in your life, right? Like, what do you notice are on things that are on autopilot? And I then wanna kind of go deeper and ask, okay, are those things that you've learned through like observational learning in childhood? Uh, did you learn this from your parents, from your siblings, right? Um, and then one thing that's really interesting is with forming habits, we actually create neuropathways in the brain that really bond and solidify the habits. So then they become on autopilot. So something we learned when we were eight years old starts to create like that observational learning starts to create neuropathways of, oh, that's how I do this or that's how it's done. So then by the time you're an adult, it's an autopilot habit that you don't think about or that you're not even aware that you have. And oftentimes you're not even aware that it can change. It's just mm -hmm. how things are. You're not aware mm -hmm. that you can actually change that thing, right? So I like to pull to the surface so that we can take a look at kind of what's deeper and what's actually keeping you from reaching the goals that you want to have or the life that you want to live due to all of these habits and things that we might need to change. So that actually looks like the thoughts that you tell yourself that actually looks like the things you do or you aren't doing. And yeah, so that actually takes a couple of sessions to really kind of figure out how to support that change. Um, yeah, that's something I really enjoy doing. I think it's important because I can't do anything else until we take a look at like what's holding you back from doing the things you actually want to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Um, it can actually take weeks uh, or months for a habit to actually form, but then you might have it for years or your whole lifetime, right? Right. Um, the second, kind of, it's like the first part. The second part that we do is then we question, okay, we have a list of habits. We kind of have a list of thoughts where we take a deeper look, but then we ask the question, okay, does this serve me? Mm. If the answer is yes, we keep it. If the answer is no, we need a 180 and brainstorm a helpful way to change or modify it. So I'll give a really just easy example of this. It's like I grew up and um, I grew up when I was growing up, I was living with different family members, but a big thing we would do was eat ice cream every day. Ice cream is very fattening, it's cheap, it's food and like who doesn't love ice cream? So we always had <laughs> ice cream in the freezer. And I would get home from school and in elementary school every day and immediately would eat a big bowl of ice cream. So I was what they call, I think it's like um, 
a latch key kid where I had my own house key and no one took me to and from the bus stop ever, right? Yeah. So what would, I, what would an eight-year-old do immediately when they got home from school? They're going to eat the ice cream. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. They're going to eat the ice cream. So um, as an adult, whenever I wanted to reward myself, I would go and get ice cream. And I still do. I love Ben and Jerry's. But it's been this thing where it's like, oh, wow, I've eaten ice cream four days this week and um <laughs> literally in college my blood tests were like you have very high cholesterol and you shouldn't right like yeah, you need to look yeah. at that and I was like oh I should probably stop eating so much ice cream so I wouldn't tell someone who has the same problem to completely cut out ice cream that's just not that's like torture if, if you've had yeah. this habit for 20 years you're not going to go cold turkey most people aren't that way what I then would look at is, okay, can you buy sugar-free ice cream? Can mm -hmm. you buy non-dairy ice cream? You're cutting out two things there that would be adding to your high cholesterol, that would be really affecting your health, right? So we're just taking a look at how to modify that habit, and then eventually, like, can we just cut it out X, for X amount of time that feels good for that person, right? It mm -hmm. has to be, it has to feel good. Um, I'm not a coach that's just gonna completely change everything and make you feel bad if you don't stick to the plan. Like that would be torture. Um, so yeah, we brainstorm ways to modify or to change a habit that is more supportive. Um, so like things, if you're one of those people that gets into a mental state that is really hard to get out of when it comes to self-criticizing, when it comes to um, really downplaying yourself and your skills and feeling like really making yourself feel bad for who you are, right? What we then would want to look at is 180ing those thoughts because they're not supporting you. They don't serve you. My biggest takeaway, if anyone wants to do this, what thought is on repeat? Mine, I constantly underestimate myself. So I probably set an alarm on my phone or I'd put a sticky note in my office, in my bathroom, in my car, and that sticky note would say, have more compassion. Like have more compassion for yourself. And maybe another sticky note would say, stop underestimating yourself today. And so the thing is, if we don't have reminders to keep us on track, we're gonna forget we wanted to make that change because mm -hmm literally our brain has formed neuro pathways that want us to think in that way or want us to do that thing because there's reward right where there's a habit it's because there's reward on the other side and so like uh um what you might go well what would a reward be if i told myself i wasn't good enough to do something well for me that reward would be oh i can i can't i can never disappoint myself if i try i can't fail if i don't try right so that would be the reward of that and it's a little bit tricky but yeah you have to keep reminding yourself it's something you want to change and you have to 180 it to replace it with something that's modified and actually serves your highest good um you have to kind of remove the triggers reinforce the habits um and just apply that logic and it can be hard to do that by yourself that's why having a life coach with weekly calls or someone that is like an accountability buddy is the best thing that you can do to really create change. Um, this, the other thing that I'll say about this too, um, with psychology and manifestation, and also with visualization, um, your brain can't tell the difference between your imagination and reality. And this is so important because 
when we have these thoughts that don't support us, our unconscious, like my unconscious self starts to believe that. So if I'm sitting here and telling myself, um, like one thing I love doing now is painting and it's been hard for me talk, we're talking about identity, right? <laughs> it's been hard for me to like really be like, oh, I think I could be like an artist. I think mm. I can like really have an artist part of me that wants to emerge or have that part of me come. Um, and it can be hard with that identity, but I am telling myself for years, I'm not good enough to be an artist. So I, even though it's a thought that comes and goes, it's the monkey mind. It's like a thousand thoughts in a minute. One of those thoughts is I can't be a, a good enough artist. No one will want to buy my work. I'm going to start to believe it. And so it actually impacts your unconsciousness. Um, it, it sticks with you in that way. And then you're going to go to paint and nothing's going to come out of you. And you're going to go, why? I want to paint right now. Why can't I paint? Well, it's because you've spent years telling yourself that you couldn't. Um, so even things like what you're seeing on Instagram, the movies you watch, the TV shows that you watch, knowing that whatever you're absorbing, your brain cannot separate from reality. So it really does have an impact on you. Um, so just being very intentional about your intake, being intentional about the thoughts that you produce, they all add up to becoming core beliefs over time, even if you're not consciously aware that it's a core belief. Um, so visualization is important for me because in the coaching, when we visualize something, we're creating our beliefs and we're seeing a life that we want to live and then it becomes possible. I know that was a lot. <laughs> no, it was perfect. Could not mwah, love it. Delicious. All of it's great. <laughs> well, I really just want to thank you for coming on and, you know, having this conversation with me. It was great to hear all the different perspectives and all the beautiful messages you really brought out. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate being here and for you taking the time to really host me on your podcast. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It was my pleasure and it's it's been beneficial in many ways, I assure you. Thank you all for tuning in today. I had a great time interviewing Brittany. She was a really sweet, wonderful woman, and there will be lots of information about her in the description with links to her website and her social media. I encourage you all to take a look and, and maybe get to know Brittany yourself. And remember, I'm Alice Strange, and this is Magic and the Mind Podcast. May you always be well. Be kind, and may your curiosities for this world never fade.